Good afternoon and welcome to KZSU 90.1 FM. My name is Jacob Neidig. Joined in studio, as always, with my lovely co-host, Zach Zafrin, for your Super Bowl rendition of the Sports Zoo. We've got a couple guests here. We've got a few more guests on the way. And we're going to go ahead and break down what it's going to take for either of these sides to win. Of course, with a little bit of a Bay Area slant, given we're right here on campus Zach, go ahead and take us away. Before we go ahead and uh, get started, for our local listeners, uh, you guys know we're going through an atmospheric river. Uh, so those of you joining us on the web or afterwards on uh, our podcast, don't worry. We are trained professionals. We're doing just fine, as wet as it is. Uh, and hopefully... Uh, all you 49ers fans are locked and loaded for the upcoming Super Bowl, which will be the main uh, topic of conversation today. And to help us cover it, we have two experts in the field, one of which uh, you guys are very well familiar with and hopefully will become even more familiar with as the weeks go on in the sports zoo. Uh, why don't you guys go ahead and go and introduce yourself, starting with you, Diego, uh, for those of you who have not tuned into your previous episode. Uh, yeah, I'm Diego Malacher. This is my uh, second appearance here on Sports Zoo, and then I'm also a broadcaster for KZC Sports. Uh, yeah, and Diego, go ahead and, and let our listeners know who are your teams, what sports do you enjoy watching? Are you a 49ers fan? Where are you from? Break it down for them. Uh, I'm from Sacramento, so I'm a. I'm a Kings fan, and there's definitely a lot of 49er fans from Sacramento. I am not one of those. Whoa. I'm a. I'm a Chargers fan. So. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm I'm not a 49ers fan, I, I must say. Okay, and then next up, sitting directly across from me, the man, the myth, the legend, Garv Rain, from across the hall freshman year to now five years later, <laughs> down the hall, and a first-time sports zoo appearance. Garv, break it down for our fans out there. Yo, yo, yo. My name is Garav. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Jacob, for inviting me on this podcast. I'm from the Bay. I was born in Cupertino. I'm a Barrio local. Love the Niners. Glad to see them in the Super Bowl again. Big Warriors fan, too. More so Warriors bandwagon, but Niners is true to the heart. <laughs> that one's going to stay for a while, so you already know where I align on this one. Yeah, so, I mean, backtracking before we jump into the Super Bowl preview, Garv, what was it like watching... The last game, the the NFC Championship game, where just walk us through your emotions in that game. All right. So first half, as George Kittle put it, not gonna lie, they had us. <laughs> I didn't lose faith though. If the third quarter started and we were not doing anything and we are at the same point level, that's when I would have lost the faith. But going into halftime, I said, all right, these guys are going in the locker room. They're going to lock in, and they're going to come out guns blazing, and that's exactly what we saw with the Niners. There you go. What's faithful to the Bay throughout. I, could, could we take a, a step back <laughs> one more game, the Packers-Niners oh, game? Yeah. Because Zach is a Packers fan, if you weren't aware. <sighs> uh, yeah. So a very personal game right here. Yeah, uh, I just want to say uh, the NFL is rigged. Uh, that was a uh, treacherous showing, uh, and the Niners should feel lucky that they got this far. Uh, you know, we can dive into what's going to happen in the Super Bowl, but I feel sorry for for the display that's going to be going on in a couple weeks. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> there, there you go. Question question for the roundtable, completely unrelated to the Super Bowl. Who do you want in the future? Jordan Love, 
Dak Prescott or Brock Purdy? Out of those three, starting next year, who are you taking? We'll go. We'll go not around. Dak. <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> why, why not throw uh, Justin Herbert into the conversation? We have a Chargers fan here. Okay, okay. Let's put all four quarterbacks in there: Herbert, Dak, Brock, and Jordan. Who? Who? Are, let's start. We'll start with you, Diego. Who are you taking out of those four? Oh, definitely Herbert. That's that's not even a question. Okay, I, so I gotta I gotta be honest. That's very biased that's answer. Herbert. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. But it's also the right answer. So. I mean, there, there's no, there's no answer that doesn't. There, I, I, I'm just baffled that this is even being posed because Jordan Love is the truth. Uh, you know, slicing and dicing both the Cowboys defense, which might, might I remind you, under Dan Quinn was one of the best defenses in the entire league, uh, but also really sh- showed showed himself to be a stud against a Niners defense. Um, just uh, you know, when officiating gets in the way, he'll, he'll get the Tom Brady calls one 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 day down the line. And to you next, Garver, are you sticking with Mr. Uh, Irrelevant? I'm sticking with BCB all the way. <laughs> Look, every year our family goes to one Niners game, and last year it was week 13 against the Dolphins, and I thought our season was over, and this guy came in, cool, collected, won us the game, took us to the NFC Championship, did that again. And what happened last year in the NFC Championship? He didn't get to play. Uh, well, fair we, we fair didn't get enough. a chance to play. <laughs> well, I mean, he was, he was, he was in there for snaps. a bit, right? Yeah. He took a couple snaps. Arm was gone, but he came back from that elbow injury, too, and he's doing a great season, so I got to stick with him. Yeah. Some good buyer team. Jacob, don't, don't tell me you're going to take Dak. There was only one person that led the league in touchdowns uh. this year, and his name didn't start with a J. His name didn't start with a B. <laughs> His name started with a D, Dak the Man, and that's duh with Dak D A the Man. Clearly, the sports zoo credibility. <laughs> we have a Cowboys, a Chargers, a Packers, and a Niners fan. And of course, uh, we know what who's answering what. So, uh, uh, luckily, so we got to ask who who are you? Who is everyone taking? If you're not taking your own quarterback, who are you taking? Oh. That's a that's, oh. that's a fascinating. I mean, no, let's be honest. It's gonna be Herbert Brock. Let's throw him down the drain. <laughs> Dak. All right, what? Maybe a couple years ago, but I've never been a fan of him. I I wish. I wish. Dak hates winning. I, <laughs> well, I wish that Harbaugh is going to be Herbert's Belichick. Okay, one without the other, we don't know how great they are. Uh, but. Uh, this very well could be the combo that uh, teams like the Cowboys and Niners fear for years to come. Of course, the, the Packers, you know, they'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that Harbaugh-Herbert combo. Yeah, I, I think I'm taking Jordan Love. I think Love is is the future of the league. He can make every throw on platform, off platform, moving in the pocket out. It doesn't matter. Especially once you get him some wide receivers. Whew, he's going to be a scary side, I think. I think I got to go with Brock to be honest. Um I love Jordan Love. He's made some amazing he's made some amazing throws. Uh but man, watching watching Brock play, I know he's got an amazing supporting cast around him, but he's he's helping them play up. He's not dragging them down. He's not in their way. He's 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 a plus on that team, not the minus that a lot of people think he is. Yeah, Garv, who are you taking after after Brock? I'm taking Herbert. He's been tested. He's had a lot of years in the league, and we've seen his arm. We just haven't seen a lot of potential come out of him and actually be put on the field because lack of coaching staff, lack of a good offensive coordinator, but I want Herbert. Wow, so clearly uh, the 
answer here is no, anyone but Dak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, we have been here on the farm not too far from Santa Clara, which is where the San Francisco 49ers play. Uh, obviously, a, a strange there. Anyways, uh, let's talk a little bit about their season. Uh, Garv, let's start with you because you would know best. I mean, come in with a lot of question marks, specifically following that UCL surgery Brock had to go through. Um, a really, really strong start. Definitely some lows. Uh, I might argue maybe even uh, more recently than than earlier in the season. What has this season shown you, and how did it stack up uh, to expectations that you had and, and fans alike had, really? Well, what we've known about the Niners is the offensive side has always been great. Defensive side always has been great. The QB was the one position that's always been in question. And this was the first season where I actually felt like we had a QB1 that I could stand behind. And then next year, I would be confident and happy to have him step back in the rain. With that three-game losing streak we had, and then we lost to the Ravens. That, what, that's the game where he threw five interceptions? The Ravens, four, the four, Ravens was the four one that was on Christmas Day. What I saw happen was... Brock just started off bad, and then he never came back. So going into the playoffs, I was a little stressed about seeing his resilience, seeing his able, ability to come back from a bad game. But we saw that against the Packers. We saw that against the Lions. He's able to come back from these deficits. So just confidence has been restored throughout the playoffs, the entire season, counting you know whatever's been after the regular season. But it's been nice. Yeah, and so we have a third guest now here on. So quick interruption for our third and final person of this Super Bowl roundtable. Why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners today. They're all over California, the U.S., and the world. Just where, what's your name, your, where you're from, and which teams you support? Yeah, um, hi, my name is Isaac. Um, I'm a frosh here at Stanford University, and I've recently joined the Stanford Daily as a sports writer where I've been covering a lot of the men's and basketball uh, games and I look forward to covering some baseball games when their season starts in the spring. And uh, I'm a big Niners fan. Okay, so some adding some more Niners ammunition in the room. Zach is starting to <laughs> to look a little bit small over there in the corner. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're kind of talking through the trajectory. What do you think happened for Brock over from last season season to this season that has allowed him to kind of make the jump that you're alluding to? I think he's gotten time to actually settle in with the team. I mean, this guy was a fourth-string quarterback, had to fight his way to get onto the practice squad, to get onto the team third string. Trey Lance goes down week two, now he's up to second. Finally, he got his role cemented just week 13 of last year. He's got two years to play, but he's actually only been starting for, what, year and a half? So he's still very new to this whole offensive team. This was the first season where going into, you know, training camp, going into the preseason, we knew Brock Purdy was going to be number one. The team knew that. So it's nice to see him actually like step in and start off as a leader as opposed to having to come into it from last year. Absolutely. And so which players besides Brock do you think have really made big jumps this year? Is it the continuation of CMC? Is it Brandon Ayuk? Who, who have y'all seen that has allowed the 49ers to elevate? Yeah, I think we have to look at Ayuk. This season, he has had a remarkable kind of breakout season here. He's over 1,000 yards receiving. Uh, he's really opened the field, I think, up for Chris McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. And I think a lot of the credit, rightfully so, does go to the Debo and uh, Chris McCaffrey, how they open up the field for everybody else. But I think we definitely have to be looking at Ayuk. His, he has a remarkable skills. His route running is elite. 
he you know of course he had the immaculate uh, <laughs> deflection off the helmet that amazing catch and he's just that was he, insane ridiculous yeah, he's been consistent all season he's had highlight real plays every game so is he going to be that go-to guy uh, for Purdy in the Super Bowl? There's been a lot of talk about Kittle, especially going up against Kelsey, which is a whole other topic we can go into uh, a little bit later here. But uh, when push comes to shove, Purdy's going to need to have that guy a multitude of weapons. Is Ayuk going to be the one to uh, kind of step up and fill that role? Yeah, I think he's going to have to be because I think a lot of the attention is going to go to Chris McCaffrey and Debo mm-hmm. Samuel, and we've seen that all season. And I think that's partly why Ayuk has had the season he's had. So, yeah, late in the fourth quarter, if we're down or if the game's tied, crunch time, I think Ayuk is the person we're going to have to go to. Mm. Now, Diego, uh, I I hate to pose it this way, but as a Chargers fan, you have seen uh, a lot of late game situation blunders you see a lot of leads <laughs> kind of slip up no it's right uh, on the 49ers sideline there is one person who has uh been not a mastermind but i guess the lack thereof in a number of big games uh and he's kind of leading the charge here his super bowl history Kyle Shanahan of course uh not particularly the best you know whether it was the 95 plus percent win percentage last time the Niners faced the Chiefs in the Super Bowl it was that probably a 99.99 percent chance you know the Patriots were up when he was offensive coordinator um what are your thoughts on Shanahan at this stage perhaps now with more weapons than ever yeah he's shown he can get them to that stage and they're a throw away the problem is Garoppolo can't make that throw Uh the good news is now we know Purdy can. Yeah. Um, I think the... Even, even for a game manager. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> the the checkdown merchant. He's not a game manager, he's a checkdown I don't merchant. care if he's a checkdown merchant. Who's he checking down to? Like, that's CMC. That's, that's, pretty, that's, uh, that's a pretty good throw, no matter how you slice it. A four-yard throw is not... <laughs> like, you're, you might end up with a 70-yard touchdown, and the team can be applauded, but that's not a good throw. Yeah, and that's... I could make that throw. <laughs> Eh. (laughs) (laughs) so Shanahan Shanahan kind of will have it figured out it's a different situation now than in the past I I hope he will I think he will I think he will have it figured it out gotcha gotcha now Garv uh, any hesitation with Shanahan at the helm again I don't I don't like the hatred for Shanahan (laughs) I mean this guy what is it four out of the five NFC championships have been Shanahan, something like that. Two Super Bowls within span of four years, five years. He's been doing a great job. I mean, there are a lot of holding calls we could talk with that Chief Super Bowl a while ago. <laughs> there, are, there are so many ways it could have gone, but Shanahan was not the problem that game. And I don't think Shanahan's the problem this season, and he's gonna he's gonna take us home. Former Texas Longhorn, I might add. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So, um, the Niners. The interesting thing, though, is if you look at they've been in four out of the five uh, NFC championships, two Super Bowls. Who are they going up against? They're going up against the Chiefs, who have this was the first NFC championship and or AFC championship in six years that wasn't in Kansas City, yeah. and they still went and won it. And so there, it's also what their what fourth Super Bowl, I think. So they've been to as many Super Bowls as the Niners have NFC championships. So yeah. it it's a, definitely a tough opponent. Now, Isaac facing kind of the guy behind this big turnaround in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yes, the Niners have had sustained success for quite a few years here, but uh, 
I guess what are the emotions going into a game against a team like this? I mean, your face off against a Jordan Love, uh, first year starting in the division round. You know, it's whatever. Uh, then you go off against Jared Goff, uh, perhaps it's the Stanford in me. I I have you know very little. Uh, I, I don't I don't view him in the highest light. But here you're going against Patrick Mahomes, a generational talent. People calling for his name to be among the greats, especially with a Super Bowl victory here. Uh, what is that outlook as a 49ers fan? Oh well, as a fan, I have to say I'm fairly confident. But that's just me as a fan. <laughs> but I was a big Tom Brady fan uh-huh. when he was in the NFL, and it was just it was like a guarantee that he was going to win whenever he got to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So being on this opposite side, I, I look at. Patrick Mahomes as a Tom Brady, just a guy who just always finds a way to win. So I think as a 49ers fan, it's going to be really tough, and I think we have to embrace that underdog mentality. Yeah. Even though I know Vegas technically is is labeling us as the favorite, you know, I think all these pundits across the nation, they're all acknowledging that this is Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl. This is him to for his to win. To win. Yep. And, you know, we have Purdy as our quarterback, and I think we just have to embrace we are the underdog. We want to dethrone this king. And, yeah, and I think we have players, we have Debo, Trent Williams, we have players like that who, who bring that edge, yeah. who bring that swag, and we're, de- we're going to need all of that to take down Mahomes. You're, you know, perfect talking point for something <laughs> that I absolutely hate about Niners fans, which is, I don't understand how you can be the underdog if you were favored in every single game this year. How, how do y'all form that mentality that we're the underdogs when you have the most offensive weapons and you're favored in every single game? How does that work, Garv? Can you walk Last pick of the draft, no Super Bowls in the 2000s. We've been at the finish line, never been able to cross it. This team's hungry. We're looking for that win. Zach, what are your thoughts on that? Are they underdogs or who's the underdog? Is there an underdog? I, I You know, normally, under normal, normal circumstances, I, I would uh, disagree with these guys. But even as, as deep as my distaste for the 49ers is, I really do think that they are the underdog here, okay? It's not often Vegas has it, I don't want to say wrong, but uh, at least the sentiment nationwide really is uh, the country trying to band together and stop Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift from winning this (laughs) Super Bowl. Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) And so, I mean, jumping in as Niners fans, besides Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs defense, something that hasn't gotten a lot of love, Travis Kelsey all... Obviously really good. Garv, what are you most worried about in terms of matchups against the Chiefs? Their defense is great. Um, it's a little scary that their number one wide receiver just came back from injury. <laughs> but no, all shout seriousness. Tony. Shout out to Canarius Tony. <laughs> Mahomes is the scariest player on that team. I don't know how he's able to do it season in, season out, but he plays the same regardless of whatever offense is around him, and he's great. I, I'm just scared of him being clutch. That's yeah. that's the number one threat. What about do you Isaac? Do you have any uh, worries outside of Mahomes, or what do you think the Niners need to do to contain him? Oh, I don't think you can contain a Mahomes, but I think my major worry, besides Mahomes, of course, is Chris Jones. Our O line it uh, ranked, I think, bottom kind of the bottom third of the the league for most of the year, and, and that's with Trent Williams, a generational talent. So I think Chris Jones, obviously, Trent Williams is not going to be lined up. In front of him, so I think Chris Jones is definitely a guy where, you know, of course, Purdy last week he showed that ability to uh, run the ball, but I think it's going to be really tough. It's going to put a lot of pressure on him. Uh, so hopefully, Christian McCaffrey, you know, he'll he'll be open in the slot, kind of doing those short routes, so we can get the ball out quick. But yeah, Chris Jones is definitely a guy on the edge who uh, is a big concern, I would say, for our O line. 
Diego, as you pointed out, two teams, two franchises, stored success, especially recently. In the big picture, what's at stake here? Uh, I'm thinking Mahomes' legacy. I'm thinking 49ers, you know, once again holding up that trophy. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on really who has more to lose here? I mean, I don't know. I don't think either of these teams have too much to lose. Maybe the Niners. I think the Niners might need this a little bit more than the Chiefs. But uh, personally, I think the. I think, well, especially from my rooting interests, um, I think the uh, person with the most to gain is we could see the first non-QB Super Bowl MVP uh, in a while in yeah. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, that's personally what I'm hoping for. Gotcha. And that, that I, I know that's the deep Stanford fan in you speaking right there, but <laughs> hey, isn't that all of us? <laughs> yeah. Um, so switching to a more specific position battle, tight end, you have Kittle, you have Kelsey. Who's going to play a bigger role on Sunday? And is that the, per- the tight end that's better? I'll start with you, Garv. I think in terms of receiving yards, touchdowns, all the stats that are individual, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey gets open. He plays like a receiver a lot of the times. He actually catches the ball so Mahomes trusts him. But on the Niners side, what Kittle is so great at doing is blocking. I mean, we saw him fold Aiden Hutchinson, the amount of lanes he just opens up for CMC. And he loves doing that. He's a team player. He loves CMC with his life. He will let that guy run forever. But his ability to get open and block two are two things that are awesome. And I think that him aiding CMC will be a big boost. But in terms of who's better, I mean, it's a team sport. Like, both are great titans at what they do. You want them to run routes. Both are going to do a great job. Maybe Kelsey has the edge on that, but blocking Kittle without a doubt. And the thing is, they're not playing against each other. You got to look who they're playing against. You got to look at the Chiefs' defense, and you got to look at the Niners' defense. Personally, I think I rate the Niners' defense a little bit higher, which might cancel out any edge that Kelsey has over uh, over Kittle. Yeah. So, would you put Fred Warner on him? Would you put a different linebacker? Is it someone from the secondary? Who Who's going to be guarding Travis Kelsey if you're the Forty ers defensive coordinator? I, I mean, any any one of y'all have any yeah. ideas? I, I would say Greenlaw, maybe. Just because Greenlaw is such a physical player, and I think you know, with a big guy like uh, Kelsey, you know, he embraces physicality. So I think Greenlaw would be a good counterpart going against uh, Kittle and Fred Warner. Obviously, um, a solid choice. You know, one of the best linebackers in the league. But yeah, I think Greenlaw with his physicality, his he just plays tough football, and that's just that's who we need going against. Uh, Kelsey. Yeah, a big shout out to Greenlaw. I don't know if this was talked about much, but I remember watching that uh, NFC Championship game. I think his shoulder got like popped out, uh, and they just threw it back in, and there he was playing a few snaps later. Yeah. It. Would, how many interceptions has he had this postseason? Two. Two. Like a, yeah. Yeah. And pl- stopping the run pretty well as well. The yeah, liners linebackers are scary people to deal with. <laughs> Both of them, but I mean, like like conversation has said, it really is apples and oranges. Two players uh, playing two fundamentally different roles for each team. Like you said, Kittle, a good blocker, Kelsey, a phenomenal receiver. Um, who is more valuable? I suppose is the real question. It's hard to compare, you know, two people who in different schemes provide different functions. Um, but when push comes to shove, my personal take is it's just. The Niners are going to crowd out 
Kittle with as much talent as they have. They're not going to look to him as much as they need to. Yes, he'll open up plays for other people, but Kelsey's going to be such a focal point. If you remove him from this Niners offense, uh, there are major pitfalls. Yeah, as he said, they're number one. The Chiefs' number one wide receiver is coming back, and when your number one wide receiver is Kadarius Tony, I think you're <laughs> going to be looking to Kelsey a lot. I think Kelsey's a lot more valuable to the to the Chiefs than Kittle is to the Niners, and that's not a knock on Kittle. It's just a fact that the Niners have a lot more talent to go around. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is making fifty million dollars, and Brock Purdy's making less than one, and so I feel like just from that discrepancy, you can spin so much. Like the the roster construction that the 49ers GM has put together with all these pieces is absolutely insane like he's done a master class and you know this some people are saying that this could be the last chance they have because right now they're 40 million over cap next year are y'all worried about this Niners team being being the last chance for a little while that you have to win a ring for sure. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what we were talking about a bit earlier, what each team has to gain. And we were saying not each team has much to lose. But I really do feel like this might be one of the last really, really good opportunities we have with the Super Team to win the Super Bowl. So really hoping it goes well. Yeah, I think when you're looking at the future and you're kind of figuring out your level of concern you know, with cap space in the roster, I think it depends how you think of Brock Purdy. So if you think Purdy is an elite quarterback, then you shouldn't be concerned. And I personally think he is not a game manager. He is not a checkdown merchant. So yes, you know we'll probably. <laughs> I don't think it's hot take, but um, yeah, Purdy. I think he's he's an above average quarterback at least. I think we could all maybe say that. Um, so I think if you have you know the right player at quarter the quarterback position, I think you know the rest of the pieces really fall into place. I think Purdy is. Uh, we know he's in the MVP conversation, and I know that's mostly uh, an on-field award, but if you look at just his contract, he's definitely the most valuable player in the NFL. There's nothing more valuable than a quarterback on their rookie contract in this league, especially a good quarterback on a rookie contract. And to have the quarterback that Purdy is, and he's on the lowest possible rookie contract... And as the last pick in the draft, they have one more chance next year where he's still on that rookie contract. And uh, after that, Purdy's ca- uh, cap hit is going to skyrocket because he's going to either get an extension or they're going to lose him. I would be amazed if they didn't re-sign him. Um, so I think they'll look at their – they're going to try this year. And then next year, they're going to look at that cap hit. They're going to have to reload for next year because you don't get a better value than Brock Purdy playing with the seventh-round contract. I mean, the thing is, though, you draft another mid-level quarterback <laughs> and then do the same thing. Like, you throw in Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner, who's middle first round. You throw in Drake May. You throw any of the top tier. Even Bo Nix could do the exact same thing that Purdy's doing. And then you trade him away for a better value. Like I don't think you need Brock Purdy to to let the system keep working. Wow, I I disagree. I uh, sure I think a lot of players would thrive in that system, but I, I, you got to give Purdy the credit where credit is due. I mean, there are a couple of throws that he made this season that. Uh, I'm thinking, wow, that is pretty good for a game manager. But I mean, you even have Darnold backing him up, uh, and for a player of. I guess a lot of potential. It has been ugly anytime he's there in the game. But I mean, it's interesting you bring up the topic of uh, value 
tomorrow, 24 hours from now, we will have the NFL MVP announced. Um, two players on the same team sharing the same backfield who could be uh, very well announced tomorrow night. What are your, I, I suppose, predictions versus thoughts on who really should be winning this award? I think it goes to Lamar, but um, and he definitely deserves it. He's had an amazing season. Um, it should go to McCaffrey, in my opinion, but maybe that's the homer in me speaking. Um, that man has been on a tear the entire season. He's averaging, I think, right around a touchdown a game, which is uh, ridiculous. Yeah. The two Niners fans, uh, I suppose, do you guys just kind of echo those same thoughts? Uh, I'm more of a Purdy MVP guy. How? Yeah, I mean, throwing for over 4,000 yards, more than 30 touchdowns, only 11 interceptions, and that's including that four-interception game against the Ravens. <laughs> Take away that, that's only seven interceptions. That's pretty remarkable. Uh, Chris McCaffrey, obviously, you know, fellow Cardinal, amazing player, amazing talent. But Purdy, I mean, he was... He faced so much pressure this season because of our bad O-line. And he, uh, statistically, he was one of the best quarterbacks under pressure. And I think that's that's the amazing thing about Purdy. Like, sure, he does have the arm talent. He does have the legs, although he's shown he can run the he's ball. He's kind of quick. He's, yeah. he's got an arm, too. I think people discredit his physical abilities way too quickly. Yeah, but it's not top tier like a Lamar or a Mahomes or, or a Josh Allen. Josh Allen. <laughs> or a Dak. Um, but it's just the intangibles. His, his, he has this, like, his leadership, I think, is something that goes unnoticed. I think we all look at Fred Warner. He's kind of the lead of the team, especially for the defense. Kittle is kind of that guy for the offense. Trent Williams, too. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's the intangibles. He's, he has that leadership. He has that poise. He has that, he has that swag. He does have that swag. Um, yeah, I, I you know Chris McCaffrey again, great talent, but I think Purdy overall, he's shown he is the most valuable player, especially you know playing under this uh, great contract for the team. Yep, Garv, where do you stand on the MVP debate? I'm happy if it goes to Purdy or CMC. I mean, Purdy said it himself; he should go to CMC. I think that guy is the biggest reason why the Niners are such a great team. But that isn't to cut back Purdy's contributions at all. His leadership. His poise, everything that's been said has been great, but I'd like to see it go to either of those two. Take out his performance uh, against Baltimore, and do your guys' thoughts change at all, or are you kind of sitting in the same situation here? Yeah, yeah. Without that performance, or if we just strike that from the game, or if Purdy wins that game, then I think 100%. That's a Purdy MVP. He's beating out some top quarterbacks, but because of that game and <laughs> just how bad he played and he never was able to come back from it, it's kind of tough, you know? Change the narrative a bit. So apparently I lied. The Niners have two more years of Purdy on this rookie contract, which means I think they have two more chances at uh, at a really deep run before they have to make some really tough decisions. Now they're $40 million over cap next year, which means even if you keep Purdy on this contract, you're going to have to make some changes. Absolutely, and you do have to make changes. But what that means is what having Purdy on that contract means is you have to make a few less choices than most other teams would. Yeah, no, absolutely. That, the deal is ridiculous. I think it's like 870000 right now. It's like insane. <laughs> He's got a roommate. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I mean, thinking of uh, just different teams' championship windows, uh, it's fair to say a lot of people thought maybe the Chiefs had already passed their window, especially when we saw those struggles from Mahomes' receivers. Once Tyreek was out, not a lot of great weapons. Um Kelsey is aging. Okay, Mahomes' big contract perhaps infringing on the Chiefs' ability to provide him the support that he needs. Is this 
one of, if not the last real shot that uh, Mahomes will have, especially with the emergence that the Bills have had. We've seen that they can be a real threat to Kansas City despite their continued, uh, I suppose, frustrations in the playoffs against them and Lamar returning to MVP form. Uh, Yeah, I think... I think it's going to be really hard to count the Chiefs out, man. Having to watch uh, the Chargers play them twice a year has been tough. <laughs> um, that's not not exactly been fun, um, and I think I think it's going to be difficult. It's 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 always difficult because you look, you watch them play, and then if they're within like two scores at the start of the fourth quarter, it's gonna you're going to be fighting for your life. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Mahomes came back from 10 points in one Super Bowl. Obviously, y'all are familiar, came back from 21 points against the Niners. Doesn't matter what happens. He's always in it. And, yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Uh, I I say Mahomes is probably the only player in the NFL that every single year he's playing, he is competing for a title. I think you could maybe throw in Joe Burrow just because he's shown he's so clutch in the playoffs. But I do think this is maybe their last year where th- it's like they have that chance because just because of Travis Kelsey. Because Travis Kelsey, like we don't know what Mahomes will look like without Kelsey. He's had Kelsey his whole career. Kelsey, you know, in his 21 games in the playoffs, he has 19 touchdowns. That's almost a touchdown a game. Um, Mahomes just he he loves Kelsey. He loves throwing the ball. So I think he, again, Kelsey is aging. Mm-hmm. Once he retires, who knows what that'll mean for uh, who knows what that'll mean for um, Mahomes? Yeah, interesting. You bring up Burrow. I mean, this really is an inflection point we've reached. We said goodbye to Tom Brady, which kind of closed the chapter on people like Philip Rivers, Peyton Manning, who you know, all, Drew Brees. All the old heads are leaving. We're in the advent of the new quarterback era, and a lot of them are concentrated uh, in the AFC. We talked about Lamar. We've talked about Josh Allen, but we've even seen. Uh, C.J. Stroud enter the conversation. The fact that a rookie was in the MVP conversation is a bit absurd. Tua, uh, late season struggles down there in Miami, but they've had real success. Even Trevor uh, Lawrence having success down in Jacksonville. I don't know the last time I saw the Jaguars this good. Uh, of course, other than last year, and they're thirty to zero. Or no, oh my bad, my bad to the Chargers <laughs> over there. Uh, but a lot of good quarterbacks. Uh, who are you guys most worried about uh, if you're? in Kansas City's seat for these next few years. Herbert. Definitely Herbert. No, I think it'll be interesting to see what the Chargers can do, but um, uh, I think realistically the AFC is going to run through Kansas City for a while until it doesn't, and I don't know when that's going to happen. We thought it was going to stop running through New England for a while, and then it it didn't. Uh, I would say Cincinnati. I think we've stopped we stopped talking about them once you know Joe Burrow went down. They kind of became irrelevant. But Cincinnati has given Mahomes fits in the playoffs. Jamar Chase, you know, um, yeah. They I think Cincinnati is one of the teams. I'd also throw in the Texans. I've been super impressed with them this past season. And as a 49ers fan, I love the Texans because of D'Amico Ryan's uh, C.J. Stroud. He's an amazing player, and he's just going to grow, of course. Um, and their defense, their defense looked quite good in the playoffs. You know, I think in the regular season they were um, pretty mediocre. So I think the Texans. Uh, I wouldn't say the Bills just because they just they've shown they can't get over that hump, especially Ooh. against Mahomes. Yeah, if I'm their kicker, I'm aiming to the left every single time. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I think those are the teams that could uh, uh, compete against Mahomes. I'm scared of the Bengals, too, for Mahomes. Um, I was really hoping for it this season, but we didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. That would have been pretty interesting to see, too. But Burrow is just him. I mean, he hopped on for one game against the Niners 31-17 this season. Burrow knows how to play football. He's great at it. And he's not afraid of Mahomes. So Yeah, I think uh, I'm looking at Baltimore, potentially. I think... Any team with Lamar Jackson is an immediate contender. You look at Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely. If you add another veteran receiver like Odell, that defense is also scary good. So I think that's a team that, with the right pieces, could could pose a threat and has enough young people on the offensive side that, as we've talked about with salary, could maybe piece things together in a way that adds allows them to add another weapon that, that could be really lethal. Yeah, well... We are detracting away from the big game, which is coming up, of course, the Super Bowl 49ers Chiefs in Sin City uh, this Sunday. Uh, I don't want to prematurely run into predictions, but it does seem like 49ers are favorited. Bit of an underdog story there. What other storylines do you guys have your eye on this weekend? Uh, it could be on the field. It could be off the field. Of course, we know all those T-Swizzle fans uh, have kind of flown into the NFL. In fact, advertisers entering this space uh, are talking about consumer brands, makeup brands. You're not your traditional football uh, advertising companies entering the space because this is so unique. Uh, there's also conversation about the uh, space that gambling and sports betting has, this game being in Vegas. Certainly a lot to talk about, as there is every year with the Super Bowl. What storyline do you guys have your eyes on this upcoming weekend? I, th- I think it has to be the Taylor Swift effect. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm curious to see how many times the camera pans to her in her uh, box. Twenty seven thousand. <laughs> you know, I it was like that maybe the first like week or two, and then since then I've haven't noticed it too much. Watching any Chiefs game, it's to me it's been about the same. Like it was watching the Detroit playoff games. Like they pan to Eminem. I felt like about the same amount of times they pan to Taylor Swift. I'm just more curious about her reaction when Jason Kelsey was <laughs> celebrating his brother's touchdown. His <laughs> shirtless off. I food. I do hope they show the box because I do want to see I do want to see Jason during the game. That box oh, was man. insane. I mean, especially with Patrick Mahomes Senior, who's I mean I don't even know if he can make it to the game now. Got his third w- DWI. Oh so I don't know what his status is with that. Obviously, but it was him. Uh, Kylie, Sweet. Kelsey. Yeah, like, there was just so many figures in there. Jackson Mahomes was in the back, too, uh, with Taylor, and just Jason's in there. There was just a lot going on in that box. Well, uh, look, we here at KZSU, of course, we have the sports zoo, but uh, as Diego mentioned, he, along with Jacob and myself, have commentated a number of live games. Uh, commentating games is a lot of fun, and uh, this upcoming weekend, it's going to be Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call. However, two semi-controversial figures in the world of sports casting. Uh, I don't know how well-versed you guys are in that space or have many opinions on them, but uh, a topic of conversation in the right niche uh, around the internet if there's any thoughts on those two making the call this weekend well i think i don't know uh, how controversial Nance is i think he's one of the greatest to ever do it i mean is an amazing uh his his voice is one of the most soothing i think there is but he always manages to step it up for the big moments um i'm interested to see how romo does it's 
uh, especially on like Twitter, you see the discourse around him has really turned. People loved him his first couple of years in the booth, but recently people have started to feel that his shtick has gotten old. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to him in the Super Bowl. I think I think he'll be just fine. I would. I have no complaints on Nance. Uh, Tony Romo is an interesting figure. Uh, whenever he announces Niners Cowboys games. Uh, you could just tell there's a totally a bias towards Cowboys, which is understandable because he's you know he's a former Cowboys player. But um, I think this weekend it'll be interesting to see um, Romo and h- how he um, announces when he's talking about Mahomes because he tends to have this kind of fascination with Mahomes. I would say yeah. when I'm listening to him um, broadcasting these games. Uh, so as a 49ers fan, I'm hoping he doesn't you know talk too much about Mahomes and maybe give some flowers to Purdy. That'd be nice. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how they talk about those and compare and contrast because obviously Purdy's really good and Mahomes has been good, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they do that. Mahomes, or sorry, did you have any any thoughts oh, on no, that? I'm not too familiar with the commentator, so... Well, you might be... Field <laughs> he doesn't care who's talking about it. Let me see what the plays are. You might be familiar with a couple of the other commentators because uh, in a different booth, there's going to be Ian Eagle on the play-by-play along with Nate Burleson, and then uh, Patrick Starfish and SpongeBob uh, are going to be are going to be on the call on the Nickelodeon broadcast. I heard SpongeBob is performing... Oh, what's the song? The halftime show, yeah. Sweet Victory. The, no, yeah, sweet Victory. Yeah, he's... he's oh, a pregame, I, I, you know I have that Nickelodeon broadcast off when that time comes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, question for y'all. There's a lot of fun prop bets. You know, how many times is Taylor Swift going to be seen? Heads or tails? What color is the Gatorade? If you had to lock one in right now, <laughs> we don't condone sports betting on this show. But if you were just as a interest for laughs going to do, any of those catch your eye? I think... If the Chiefs win, so whatever the odds of that are, I think there's a good chance Travis proposes to Taylor. Okay, he's taking she's, the proposal oh then. She's coming straight from Tokyo off the Eras Tour, Feb 10th. Is that, is that a real thing? Yes. Yes. That is oh definitely a yeah, bet. You can, actually, I don't think it's a bet you can place in U.S. sportsbooks. But I think in foreign sportsbooks, it's, they're definitely taking money on it. Yeah, there's like I saw a screenshot of the Taylor Swift props, and there was like 15 of them that you can do. From like, does she have a beanie on or no? Is it a hat or no hat? Does Is it... A jersey. No, I hammered the no on both of those. <laughs> like, is Kyle Yuschek's, uh wife gonna make her jacket this time or not? Like, literally, all of these were on there that you could you could oh rip, which gosh. was insane. I think. Uh, oh, go ahead. I would love to see this. I don't think there are bets on this, but I would love to see the NFL pan the cameras on Swift if the Chiefs lose. So as Purdy <laughs> is bathing in the red confetti, I would love them to adjust the cameras and zoom in on that box and show. Jason Kelsey, Swift, uh, Mahomes' brother. I would love to see their reactions. I think my my favorite prop bet every year is uh, well, I have two favorites. It's usually which uh, color Gatorade they dump on the winning coach, yeah, and then right there, and then also um, I love the national anthem prop uh, bets. Yeah. Whether it goes, I don't know what they've set the over under at this year. Usually, it's around two and a half minutes. Uh, this year. Uh, I believe the over-under is 89 and a half seconds. Okay. Who, do we know who's singing? Reba McIntyre. Oh, she's fire. She is a country artist from back in the day. And then Usher at halftime as well. So that Usher has a lot of bangers. 
that should be fun. It should definitely it should be a fun performance. I'm sure I'm sure Vegas will put on quite a show. Okay, one last question before we get to predictions. Most essential food at a Super Bowl party. Zach, we're throwing it over to you first. Oh, easy chips and dip. I mean, come Oh, on. are we going salsa, guac, queso, a French onion, seven layer? Give me give me some someone, more someone knows his dips, okay? <laughs> um I mean, you got to go guac. I've had a lot of stages in my life. I used to be anti-guac, only salsa. Now I'm... That's something I, you take to the grave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've changed. Okay, guac is... I, I would, I would, I'm not sure if I'd say my preferred. I'm a big queso fan, but I do understand how kind of gross it is. Okay, but chips and chips and guac, kind of you can't go wrong there. Um, I, I, I wish I was from Texas like Jacob over there. Okay, I wish I had, I don't know, pigs in a blanket. Is that what you guys are yeah, going down there? Kalachis is what we really call them. Oh. Yeah, those are fire. All right, moving moving to the right. What do you what do you got? Essential food at a Super Bowl party? I think wings is a pretty obvious answer. I, wings and football. There's just something about sitting on the couch. You know, you got the wings, you got the ranch, you got the buffalo sauce, whatever you want to dip in it. Uh, yeah, there's something about wings. It's just wings and football is just like the perfect combination. Hey, Amen. Are you going bone in or bone out? <laughs> bone out. Oh, oh no. so you're going so for you chicken, like chicken nuggets? nuggets? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just easier to eat, you know. Like I'm just, distra- I'm watching the game. I'm focused on the game. I don't have to be worried about, you know, holding the bone and all, all the grease on my hands, you know, stuff like that. All right, and to you, Diego. Um, you know, as a staple is always a vegetable tray. I, I can't say it's my favorite. I won't. I'm not gonna sit here and lie. Say it's my favorite, but it's essential. That way, I don't leave feeling like a total pig. Okay, that that's actually that's a very strategic answer right there. I, I can respect that. Garv, loaded nachos, oh, like yeah. queso, guac, yeah. tomatoes, some meat, some protein, chicken. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I think I I think y'all missed a big category, which is dessert. <laughs> oh, like oh, brownies. Yeah. Give me brownies what? at every Super Bowl brownies. party. <laughs> it, it, like. <laughs> Lock it in. I don't care if no one else is making it. I'll make it myself. Remind me to watch the Super Bowl with Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that is our time here to settle the score. Lock it in. Put your prediction into the universe and lo- and make it known for all our listeners on the Sports Zoo. We like to start with the guests and then end with the two vets. <laughs> Isaac, you got here last, so we're putting you on the spot first. Score and how it goes down in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so I have the Chiefs winning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he's a 49ers fan, but has some logic up there. I can- no, no, no. no. <laughs> the brain is unworking. <laughs> yeah, so I have the final score being 24-17 Niners. And I think the way I look at this game, I think we will be down at halftime. Uh, I think Mahomes will come out. Strong, he'll come out. You know, I think he'll throw a first half touchdown to Kelsey, and we'll be down maybe seventeen to ten uh, at halftime, and then we'll shut them out in the second half. And actually, this whole season they've had quite a bit of second halves where they haven't scored. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Purdy is going to step up, lead another comeback win, um, and then in the fourth quarter, I think it's just going to be about running the ball, running the clock down. So yeah, I have us winning by a touchdown, and I have Mahomes getting the ball. Late in the fourth quarter, a chance to tie it, and our defense steps up, and we uh, I think Fred Warner gets an interception. Oh, I like that. Second half shutout, Fred Warner interception. Garv, to you? 
I'm thinking like 28-10 Niners. 28-10. Okay. Wow. Wow. Some lockdown defenses on both sides, but I think the Niners have way too many offensive weapons that the Chiefs won't be able to handle. Is is it a close game and then the Niners run away at the end, or Niners get up early and just Chiefs never get in it? I think Niners are getting up early. Chiefs are just not, not going to be able Okay, to so game. blowout from Garv. Diego? Um... I see a close Niners win. I think it's probably going to be something like 27-24. I think, I bet you, I I wouldn't be surprised to see the Niners get up big to start. And then I think the Chiefs are going to mount a comeback no matter what. But I think think CMC, the defense, and Purdy, and the entire uh, Niners uh, as a whole are going to be able to hold off the comeback and come away with a three-point victory. Zachary, it's time for reckoning. I think what do you got? The 49ers score first, and it all uh, goes downhill from there. Um, I have the Chiefs winning 31-20. to 20. Um, You know, I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs boast an incredible offense, but it'll be their defense um, that really wins them this one. There's a lot of talent on the 49ers' side, uh, but they're going to contain... Christian McCaffrey, apply pressure. Um, We've talked about the offensive line. We've talked about Kansas City's ability to apply pressure. When you have Brock Purdy, he hasn't been to the stage before. I think there will be some errant throws. Um, And ultimately, Kansas City does end up hoisting the trophy. Uh, Patrick Mahomes holding it up once again, entering the conversations with all the greats. And uh, we get to see Taylor Swift for a number of uh, more unnecessary times. Yeah. And I echo a very similar sentiment. I've got Chiefs winning 27-20. to 20. I think they, they kind of trade field goals at points, but Patrick Mahomes, with the ball in his hand, finds a way to march down, score a touchdown, and then Brock Purdy has the ball in his hands. One timeout, can't get it done, though. Oof. And the, the Chiefs end up on top. So looks like the guests, the guests have chosen the Niners but the hometown heroes, Zach and I, riding with the Chiefs. <laughs> we, we, we've talked about the sports zoo credibility. I suppose this is where uh, this really gets tested. <laughs> yeah. So with about 10 minutes left, we'll go ahead and shift focus now to a completely different program, completely different sport, which is the Stanford men's basketball team. A few of our Super Bowl pundits going to go ahead and fall off now, so a huge shout-out to them. But for those sticking on, men's basketball playing today, USC on Saturday. Diego, kind of walk us through where this team is at right now in the season. Yeah, the uh, the men's team started off the season pretty well. They had a, a couple of strong showings uh, out there against Arizona. This was uh, kind of a statement win for them. Um they haven't been able to really keep it together for the rest of this for the rest of the season. Uh, I think the Cal game specifically was was a pretty poor poor showing. They they looked strong and then allowed them to come back and quite literally uh, fumbled the game away at the end. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. With exception of that Washington State game, I've been really surprised that. We haven't gotten blown out or necessarily been out of any game this season, dating back to San Diego State, which was a game uh, I believe that we were really competitive with in the first half and then just kind of gave it up in that second half. Um, a win uh, 
on Sunday at Arizona after upsetting them earlier in the season, they're still a top 10, top 12 program. That would have been huge for momentum. But now you're on the outside looking in. They're absent from all bracketologies. Their percentage of making the tournament is less than a percent, if not less than 2% right now. Uh, Things are not looking good. However, we do reach an inflection point. The LA schools are coming to town both tonight and Saturday. This could be a turning point, but uh, if we don't come out victorious, um, we might be saying bye to a number of people in the program, uh, which may have been a long time coming. Absolutely. And I mean, such an interesting point, too, because we go down and beat UCLA, beat them by six. They're now 11 and 11. We're 11 and 10. That's two 500 teams looking. Then we play USC, lose by double digits. So I feel like these two schools are two teams that the way it went last time is kind of indicative of what's been wrong with our program year in and year out. And if things don't kind of turn around tonight and then on Saturday, it it kind of makes you look at the rest of the schedule and wonder where we're going to get wins from in order to manufacture any sort of successful season. Yeah, this is my first year following Stanford's men basketball, I have to admit. Uh, I've been quite impressed with our ability to lose as many close games as we have. <laughs> that was, you set me up. For, I was like, where are we going with this? And then it was just like, dunk it home negatively. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I wish I could console you, but instead it's like, welcome to what <laughs> being welcome a to the club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it fits, fits right in with uh, a lot of my other teams. Yeah. Think about the college basketball landscape as a whole, though. Um, it has been a very interesting year. A lot of parity with top five upsets. Um, you know, Diego, you know better than anyone else that we love to make predictions on this show. Uh, we are in the early, early February, more than two months removed from the national championship. But there are a couple teams you got to have your eye on, though. Who are you calling out? Um, I haven't been paying close enough attention to men's college basketball this year to uh, make too much of predict too many predictions. Um, the St. Mary's win against uh, Gonzaga really stands out to me, though. Wow! Inspired by the St. Mary's jacket <laughs> I'm wearing today, I, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. So this weekend, two wins, two losses, split them one and one. How are we feeling, boys? Stanford basketball meeting against UCLA and USC. I um I think that there are rumblings on this campus that there's going to be big show out for that USC matchup. I'm really excited for the environment that's going to bring, and I think the team is excited too. I think that they are going to come and play in front of the probably the best home crowd they've had since pre-COVID. Uh, I think that they go ahead, run themselves a nice eight-point victory or so. UCLA tonight is the big question mark. Um, This is, again, like Jacob said, a team that we beat earlier in the season when they were not particularly playing their best, yet here they are coming back on the comeback. Mick Cronin, you can never count him out, okay? Uh, I admit he makes the Stanford coaches look silly as that UCLA staff is always suited up. Um, I'm a little scared tonight, and and for that reason, I do think that UCLA comes out victorious, uh, squeezing by, I'd say less than five. Diego, quickly to you. I have very little confidence in this uh, team, to to be frank. Um, I, and also, I yeah, 
Mick Cronin and that UCLA team is always going to he's him standing on that sideline is always going to uh I think give whatever team's on the floor a fighting chance uh which is quite the opposite I think of what comes from our sideline. Absolutely. So moving quickly around the horn around the farm I should say starting with pro soccer Stanford had 5 selected for the CONCACAF W Women's Gold Cup. Jane Campbell, Alana Cook, Tierna Davidson, Naomi Gurma, and Sophia Smith all set to represent the U.S. So shout out to them getting it done on the pro women's soccer circuit. Gotta love it. So with that, uh, might I remind you, you've been listening to the Sports Zoo. Uh, my name is Zach Zaffron, joined by my co-host Jacob Nidegg on this rainy, rainy Wednesday. Um, a big shout out to our guests. We had Isaac, uh, Diego coming back. Garv, thank you for coming on, showing that 49ers representation. By this time next week, we will know who the NFL champion of this season was. We'll have an update on your Stanford men's basketball team, among many other things. So once again, thank you for tuning in to the Sports Zoo. ZSU Stanford. What kind of show is this, anyway?